What a Tuesday this will be. We have another NBA draft profile, this time taking a deeper look at Scotty Barnes out of the University of Florida State. Also, Lou Dort did not make an NBA all-defensive team, and what Luka Doncic and his possible rift with the Dallas Mavericks front office could mean for your Oklahoma City Thunder. A jam-packed show right here on Locked on Thunder. Coming up next. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-O-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show for 0536271128. On today's show, we have another 2021 NBA draft profile giving you all you need to know about a possible Thunder prospect. Today's prospect is Scotty Barnes of the University of Florida State. And we're also going to talk about Luka Doncic, who could or could not be on the move in Dallas. A lot of smoke there, not necessarily a fire yet for Dallas, but it might be getting close. And talk about some of the awards with Lou Dort once again not placing on the all-defensive team in his second year. What does that mean moving forward? What does that mean for next year? All of that and more. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Now, we're going to start the way we always do with our prospect overview. So, Scotty Barnes is a 6'9", 225 wing. The wingspan, of course, is not out yet. The combine happens next week with the draft lottery starting, and we'll know then. But I can promise you right now, his wingspan will be good. You're going to like this guy's frame and his measurables. Out of Florida State, he is a very good defender, a good playmaker, but he has some huge red flags with his offensive game, which is going to tumble him down some draft boards. Let's talk about his strengths and his weaknesses. Now, the first strength is that frame. Uh, despite how bulky he is and strong he is to compete at this NBA level, it's not necessarily a straight trade-off of quickness. He's still very quick for his size, and those long arms allow him to recover and affect players whenever he is beaten on the defensive end. And on that defensive end, I think that he can defend one through five at the NBA level in certain matchups, especially one through four. But I think as a small ball five, he can work uh, against certain teams. So that's very good. That's very interchangeable. And with that versatility, he's also a comfortable playmaker. I'm not sure if you'd categorize it as great or elite by any stretch, but he's at least a good playmaker relative to his size. He is comfortable dribbling the basketball. He's comfortable in dribble handoff situations. He can thread the needle with great passes on a tight rope. He can skip pass across court. He can throw the outlet pass. He is Mark's dream and Mark's vision for a forward, for a big man, to be able to grab it off the glass and go and not have to look around for a guard. Being able to initiate offense is going to be a big strength for him entering the draft. And then once you're in your offensive sets, being able to fulfill dribble handoffs and being able to have the vision to facilitate the offense and swing the ball around is going to be a big deal for his game. 
And he is an elite rebounder because of his hustle, because of the ability to box out and use his body. He's very active on the glass on both ends. And that is another thing that Mark really looks for, for this team and for this offense specifically. So all those things are really good. And being able to handle the ball mixed with that rebounding trait is going to be key for him. He is smart enough to understand offensive sets and understand where he's supposed to go with the basketball next or when he's supposed to take it himself and what the defense is allowing for that set to develop into. He understands all of that. Another great sign. He also is a really good driver towards the rim with the ball in his hands and a cutter off ball. He knows how to use his strength and he can bully people. Now, can he bully people at the NBA level? We'll have to wait and see if he can translate that from college to the NBA game as you face better athletes and face better people who are trying to put a stop to you. But there is reason to believe that he can continue to play this bully ball style in the NBA. He also has good touch around the rim. So it's not just the strength and the, and the brute strength of him, although that's mainly what he's going to rely on. He can also have that feathery touch and convert layups and get a bit crafty down low. He's also a great hustler. He's going to create possessions and in possessions with that hustle, which is a great trait to have. And a lot of people don't have that trait, especially whenever they're projected to be high lottery picks, such as Scotty Barnes. But when you're hanging your hat on hustle, it also is kind of a backhanded compliment because when you're searching for ways to hype up or build up a prospect, you have to lean on hustle. Uh, there's a lot of deficiencies that come with that and mainly on the offensive end. And that's the case for Scotty Barnes. So with his frame, his frame, his rebounding, his playmaking, and his ability to create for others and hustle and play defense. His age is also a very big strength for him because he's so uh, young and able to be molded into the type of player that you hope he can become. Well, there's still a lot of work to be done. A lot of work. Now, that in itself is actually a good thing. It allows him to climb up these draft boards because he's not a finished product. Whereas with Corey Kispert or other players of his ilk, He's kind of a done deal, and there's not much upside there, and, and there's not much hope for him to become anything else. With Scotty Barnes, there's still a hope that he can elevate his game and improve on these many weaknesses. And we can get into some of those right now on the weaknesses side of things for him. Number one, he cannot shoot. He flatly cannot shoot. He, he could not make the ball into the ocean off of a boat. He can't shoot. And not only is the results not there in his shot, not even shooting 30% from beyond the arc. Not only is that the case, uh, but the process is not there either. Like, for example, Jonathan Kaminga, his results aren't there yet, but the process in getting his shot off is a good one. He has good mechanics. He's a good shot. It just needs to get there with the results. With the Scotty Barnes, nothing is there. He's not shooting the ball well despite his bad mechanics, like maybe a Jaden Springer could. But on top of not seeing any results from beyond the arc, he has a terrible... Terrible jump shot. Awful. You have to overhaul this entire jump shot. And he looks, frankly, scared to shoot. And he looks horrified to shoot. He looks awkward whenever he's asked to shoot the basketball. That is very worrisome. And that's something that you cannot really project to get fixed. Because shooting is all about comfort. And you never know how a player was going to react to changing his jump shot and changing the way he shoots the basketball. It could be very good for his game. It could open up things for his game. He could get more comfortable. It seems as though Lonzo's gotten more comfortable changing his shot and being a jump shooter in year four or five, whatever he's in now. But there's also many cases of guys who have to overhaul their jump shot. They try it, and it just fails completely, and they never gain that comfortability. I would, you know, Whenever you're looking at this jump shot, 
and looking at projections, when you do not have results, you don't have free throw percentage, you don't have amazing, amazing touch, good touch around the rim, but not extraordinary touch around the rim, and, and no good percentages from, from the free throw. He shot just 62% from the line, and then nothing from beyond the arc, 27% from beyond the arc in college. That's not good, and, and that doesn't project well, and you can't really just assume he'll ever grasp that ability to shoot. And like Kaminga, Kaminga is someone who's not there results-wise, but not only does he have a good shot, he's very comfortable and he's very uh, confident whenever shooting from beyond the arc. That's not the case for Scotty Barnes. So he has, Scotty Barnes has everything possible working against him. No confidence, looks awkward, can't shoot result-wise, can't shoot process-wise. He cannot do anything from beyond the arc. So what is that light at the end of the tunnel for Scotty Barnes? It's simply just his age, and his age is simply the fact that he's young. It has nothing to do with if he can shoot long-term or not. So there's no indicator here that can project him having a jump shot in his NBA career. That's very frightening, and that heavily limits his game. And it not only would hurt Scotty Barnes, but it would hurt his teammates. We'll get into more of his weaknesses, where he's going to be available, his ceiling, his floor, NBA comps, and future role with the Thunder. We're going to get into all of that coming up. Make sure you let me know what you think about all these prospects, including Scotty Barnes on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. I know that Scotty Barnes is a very popular player among Thunder Twitter, so we'll see how this goes. Now, I do want to tell you right now, but good friends over at Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra is incredible. It's phenomenal. It's sensational. It is awesome because it brings me joy, happiness, and enjoyment whenever I drink Michelob Ultra. Got one right now in the fridge. They're incredible. Michelob Ultra is bringing you the Michelob Ultra Prospect of the Week. And so while we're handing out the NBA draft profile of Scotty Barnes today, the prospect of the week is actually going to be Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga of the G League Ignite. We already have his draft profile out on this podcast. Go back and check it out. Locked on Thunder. Love Kaminga's game. I really like him more than most people, although he's number five on my big board, which is where a lot of people have him. He's a firm five. Some people have debated going back and forth and putting him six or, or slipping him down even further. I have no concerns of Kaminga long-term, even the jump shot concerns. There are so many green flags with that red flag jump shot than anyone else that needs to overhaul their jump shot. Looking at Scotty Barnes, looking at uh, maybe even a Jaden Springer, uh, guys who need help with their jump shooting, the positive signs lean towards Kaminga more than even Evan Mobley or other players who need some help overhauling their jump shots. Two things have brought me joy, happiness, and enjoyment this week. It's been Jonathan Kaminga highlights and Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment's not the end game. It's the whole game. Folks, we have a big event coming up next week. Next week is the NBA lottery. A lot will get decided next week with this franchise. We'll have a live stream on all different platforms, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Me, Jackson Gatlin, and all of our friends of the Lockdown uh, NBA Podcast Network. We're going to have a huge stream about it. You want to join us there, you want to watch it on TV, and you want to have a Michelob Ultra in your hand when doing so. Let's kick back and hope that the Thunder get picks 1-5 and five in this year's NBA draft. So grab yourself a Michelob Ultra, and Jonathan Kaminga is the prospect of the week. Go watch some Jonathan Kaminga highlights as well as we prepare for this year's NBA draft. 
We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. On today's podcast, we're going to break down Scotty Barnes, and we'll continue now with his weaknesses for Scotty Barnes. So the big red flag is his shooting. And the reason that you worry about that is it can affect his playmaking and other people around him. So going back to his positives, the positives are rebounding, playmaking, uh, and being able to defend along with his hustle. Now, if he cannot shoot and you do not have to defend him from the three-point line, listen, if I was an NBA coach right now, if my team saw Scotty Barnes on the floor, I'm telling you to back up to the low block, back up to the free throw line, back up into the paint, do whatever you got to do. Do not guard the guy. He cannot shoot. He does not want to shoot. He's not confident shooting. His shot's broken. He's terrible. Don't just disregard him. So then that limits his ability to be a playmaker because now somebody is getting more attention of his teammates with that defense. No spacing, which again, hurts playmaking, and it hurts his ability to drive because what he can do offensively is drive to the basket. Well, if, if I'm allowed to back off of you, you cannot easily both blow past me anymore. I'm now given the advantage as the, def- as the defender in a multitude of ways, both cutting off your playmaking ability and cutting you off to the basket. And then, of course, it affects others as well. Whenever SGA is trying to drive into the lane, the dude guarding Scotty Barnes simply just double teams SGA. And even if SGA gets off that drive and kick to Barnes, so what? Kick it to Barnes. I pray you're going to kick it to Barnes because guess what? We're not going to rotate over to him. He's going to be forced to shoot that. And at least 80% of the time, if not more, he's going to miss. So now that hurts his pairing with SGA as well. And it goes back to being predictable. Because if he can't shoot, and again, if he can only drive and then use his strength when driving, I can put anyone on him I want to. A big man that can handle his strength and handle him trying to bully him and just sit back and wait for him to come to me and drive in a straight line to the rim because he can't do anything else. And even in the interior, he can only bully you to the rim. He does not have any refined post moves. He cannot post you up in the low block. He cannot face you up in the interior. He... He can only drive. And unless he can just be overwhelming with his frame and his body, that's very easy to shut down offensively. And that's the scary part with Scotty Barnes. Now, his other weakness is is one that I'm not too worried about. A weakness of just his sheer speed, his sheer foot speed, measuring that out and, and trying to translate into, can you blow by him physically with just your speed alone? I think that there's a good chance that guards can blow by him with their speed. However, his length and his athleticism will give him the ability to recover. So while he might get beat for the first step, he's going to be there to contest that shot still whenever you get to the rim and start your process of shooting and starting your process of laying it up. He's going to be able to contest you and get back because of that length, because of his size. So even the speed I'm not too worried about when defending guards because he has so many other factors to allow him to make up for that to make up for that loss of speed. But his offense is so overwhelmingly bad uh, with no real signs of getting any better that if he never develops that jump shot, you're looking at a guy that at best would become an above average player, like not a great player, not a good player, but at best with no jump shot development would become an above average player. And that's, you're going to draft at five. That's going to draft at eight, seven. Like, are we sure about this with Scotty Barnes? There are so many red flags here that you'd almost rather just take the swing on a guy like Poku. Because Poku, his ceiling is he is going to be a unicorn, MVP, amazing player. That's his ceiling. And his floor is a guy that can't stay in the league. 
And somewhere in between those two extremes is where he's going to land. If you evaluate Scotty Barnes and you don't project him to add a jump shot, his ceiling, the, the best he can be is an above average player. And when you're picking one through eight, you don't want that kind of a ceiling. You want the ceiling much higher than that. So it's all about how you interpret a jump shot. That will be the make or break evaluations for Scotty Barnes. These private workouts, when they're putting him through shooting drills, if he participates in the combine, which I don't think that he will, you know, all of those things where he's highlighting a shooting, that will make or break him. And how teams review his film, and if they see something that they think that they can change and mold him into a shooter, or at least a decent one, that can be the difference in him drafted at six and him drafted at 12, 13, 14 in the 20s. That's a huge extreme. And the silver lining for Scotty Barnes, to go back to being positive about Scotty Barnes, with his other traits and the way that he can compliment himself on those other traits, he does not have to be an above-average shooter. does not have to be a great shooter. All he needs to be is slightly below average or average. He needs to be able to be respected out there. Because right now, I'm not kidding you, I would not respect him at all from beyond the arc. Wouldn't pay him any mind. Would not ask anybody to step foot on him. Would not ask anyone to get a hand up on him. Would not do anything defensively for him beyond the arc. If he can gain that respect, though, it will open up more of his game and allow him to achieve greater heights. The question is, do you believe that he can do that? So what does his availability look like from other mocks and my big board, and, and where is his projections at right now? So the ringer has him at 11, ESPN at 9, The Athletic, CBS, DraftNet, and Tankathon all have him at 6, Bleacher Report at 7, NBC at 8, and then I also have him at 7 on my big board. The ceiling and the floor for a guy like Scotty Barnes, his ceiling is an elite defender along with elite rebounding and a guy who can simply keep the offense in rhythm. His floor is a good defender, not elite, and a non-factor offensively that does not need to be guarded by anybody and his playmaking can take a massive hit because of it and he's almost played off the floor in situations and he can only play in spurts. If you agree with me uh, on those two factors, that's a pretty low floor for a guy with not that high of an upside, an elite defender and rebounder that can simply keep an offense in rhythm and not actually impact the offensive uh, game in a positive way, just simply keep them afloat. That's not a great upside for a guy that you hope to draft one through eight. The best NBA comparison I've ever seen for Scotty Barnes is Draymond Green. And again, Draymond Green's a nice player. Draymond Green uh, you know, helps you win championships and he has his imprint all over championships. But is the Draymond Green type the guy you want to swing for at pick eight right now or pick seven right now or pick six right now? Is that going to be your big swing if you're Oklahoma City? If the Thunder do draft him, for the future, I see him as a starting caliber player. For next year and the rotation for next year's team, I think that he's likely going to start on the bench and be a bench player next year, kind of follow that Patrick Williams model where you know he gets spot starts here and there, and then maybe at the end of the year takes over that starting job permanently. His roster impact, maybe two years down the line or even a year down the line, he makes Isaiah Roby pretty redundant long-term, so you cut bait with Isaiah Roby. Other than that, none of these rookies truly impact the decision-making process that much uh, for the roster because the roster's not, like, set in stone by any means. Like, there's going to be so much overturn no matter who you draft that, the you know, drafting a player is not going to correlate to you releasing another player. 
But long term, him and Isaiah Roby were going to be pretty redundant, and they're going to be asked to do about the same things in this offense and for this team. So, you know, it, it's just kind of logic to think that Isaiah Roby could be on the way out if you do draft Scotty Barnes on the way out in a year or two or so, just because of the, the nature of their games. Coming up, we'll get into why the Thunder should and should not take him, as well as the Luka Doncic drama and Lou Dort's placement on the all-defensive teams this year. But first, I'm going to say right now, but our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can take and track all the action at BetOnline. Get the latest news, odds, and info on all the sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. Head to the website or use your mobile device, and when you do, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Let's say 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. At betonline.ag, promo code locked on at betonline.ag. I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right. 20 years ago, you could have been going to rockauto.com for all of your auto part needs. The second best time to go there is right now. Go there right now to rockauto.com and check it out because their website is fantastic. It's so easy to navigate. I love it. I do not have to know anything about cars. All I have to know is my make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. Listen, if you've ever tried to build something that you're unfamiliar with, like a computer or a car or anything, it's so frustrating to get a part that you need. You need the part, but it's not compatible with whatever you're using. You can skip all of that by going straight to rockout.com, and they're only going to show you those parts that will work and are compatible with your vehicle. So try it today at rockout.com. Whenever you go there to rockauto.com, tell them Locked On sent you in the how did you hear about this box, and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, so the parts your car will need. Rockauto.com, Locked On sent you in the how did you hear about this box. When this podcast is over, go check out the Locked On Today podcast. Now, let's get into Scotty Barnes some more, and then Luka Doncic and Lou, and Lou Dort. So why should the Thunder take Scotty Barnes? The Thunder should take Scotty Barnes if their staff believes they can make him a serviceable or below-average shooter. Because if they do that, they unlock a big portion of his game. The Thunder should not take him because he has way too many red flags offensively, and offense is the name of the game in this year's NBA, in this modern era of the NBA. So let me know what you think about Scotty Barnes on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let's do the awards first and then Luka Doncic. So Lou Dort did not receive a Defensive Player of the Year vote, but he also did not place on either of the all-defensive teams. He did get one first-place vote for the NBA all-defense team and 15 second-place votes for the NBA all-defense team. That's actually very good. Considering that the Thunder had zero national TV games, considering that Lou Dort played on a team that was losing a ton of ball games and has some of the best odds at the top overall pick, a lottery team that won 22 games, finishing with the fourth best odds of getting the top pick. While not playing relevant basketball, 
while not playing on the big stage and the big market, while not playing on national TV, the fact that he still commanded that much respect from voters on defense is incredibly impressive because it's hard to stand out defensively. It's why I make a big deal about him forcing Worldwide Wob to tweet out about his defense every single night and tweet out clips of his defense. It's so much harder to stand out defensively than it is offensively. Offensively, not only is it easier to watch and understand what you're watching whenever you're watching offense, it's easier to translate with stats, statistics, consumable features like that. Whereas with defense, you really have to know the game at a better level than most do to understand defensive impact. There's not great ways to quantify it yet with stats and numbers. It's really just simply the eye test. And then so many times voters will fall back into, well, who used to be good defensively? Or who did we vote for last year? And just continue that cycle. And for a second year, undrafted prospect who started his career on a two-way deal and now plays on the best bargain in sports, for him to already command that respect, it's a big deal and shows where he's trending and shows where he's going. Now, play on the court-wise, was he one of the best defenders in the NBA this year? Yes. But we know that that's not what the voters vote on, so he was not ever going to be on these two teams this specific season. But the next time the Thunder are relevant, the next time the Thunder are playing competitive basketball, the next time these games matter in Oklahoma City, Lou Dort will be up there. Lou Dort will be on the all-defensive teams. Lou Dort will receive player, uh, you know, defensive player of the year votes. And now let's talk about the fun story, the story that captivated the NBA world on Monday, the story that will not go away anytime soon, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic and his possible rift with the Mavericks front office. Now, even the story itself mentioned how Luka will sign this Supermax. He'd be silly to turn it down. We've never seen a player turn it down, although somebody will be the first to do it. Somebody in the NBA realm is going to turn down the Supermax. It'll happen eventually. I do not think it happens this year. I think that Luka Doncic will sign it. He's even said as much you know, in his exit interview that he'll sign it. He's going to sign it. So what happens here, though, is he's now put instant pressure on Dallas. Dallas is on the clock. If they so much as mess up the rest of construction again, and they put themselves in quite the bind with that KP trade, if they so much as mess this roster up again, Luka's out of there. He's already started the clock on the team. And it goes to show what the disadvantages that small market teams are operating under. And Dallas, although a big market in terms of population and in terms of the city, you know, in the NBA, they've not landed those big fish, no matter what the reason is. GM, owner, whatever the case is, coach, whatever it is, they've never gotten that big fish. And they've tried. They've tried a ton to land big fish free agents. They just never have gotten one. So they're working from, from that perspective as well. And it goes to show how quickly how quickly these, these players in this new era can demand out, can end their situation, and how quickly your clock starts in terms of building a championship team around your young players who you want to be your face of the franchise. Luka Doncic is in his third year. He's already a top player in all of basketball. I'd put him top three in all of basketball. He has not played in 200 career games yet. He's 22 years old, and he's already putting out there for Dallas that the clock starts now. That if you do not accommodate him, he'll demand out, he'll demand a trade, and that's what the players have earned, and that's what the players deserve. But it does go to show you that immense pressure 
is put on the team after you find your guy. Finding your guys is almost the easy part, right? Finding the, the can't-miss guys, drafting Cade Cunningham, for example, is not the hard part. Anyone should draft Cade Cunningham. The hard part is building a team around Cade Cunningham, building a team around Luka Doncic that they're going to be happy with, that they're, they're going to be happy with, and they're going to let you slide on a few things. For example, Kawhi, I think we'll let this go. If he loses again in the second round of the playoffs, he'll let go the fact that they traded all their assets for Paul George. He'll give LA another chance because they're LA. They've earned that other chance by their market size and because it's where Kawhi wants to be. If he was in San Antonio still, if he was in Oklahoma City still, and they traded all their assets for a guy that he wanted, by the way, and it didn't work out together, he jumped ship immediately. You do not have that time. You do not have that time to waste or to fail or to recover whenever you're talking in a small market with guys like Luka who you need to win championships. And that's why winning titles in small markets are very hard. Even think back to Kevin Durant. What did the Thunder do wrong with Kevin Durant? They bent over backwards for the guy. They forced the newspaper to print a retraction on a headline. Try that in New York. Try that with the back pages of New York. Not going to work. The Thunder coddled Kevin Durant. They tried their best. They tried everything to accommodate him. You can think of maybe three mistakes. The Oklahoma headline, which they had nothing to do with. Trading James Harden, I guess. But again, th- that has been so overblown and overhyped, it's unbelievable. And then it didn't sound like Kevin Durant liked Billy Donovan. Guess what, Kevin? You could have had them fire Billy Donovan at a moment's notice. You're that kind of player but you cannot afford to mess up at any level, at any capacity. You have to be perfect in small markets to make these players stay. And that's the kind of pressure that Oklahoma City is under. For the rest of Luka's career, he's now planted that seed of, well, remember this foreign office member that I hated that caused this rift 10 years ago. I'm leaving now because of that moment. He now has that out. Will he ever use that out? Who knows? I don't know if he's ever going to use that out. But he has it now, though, and that's the key for his leverage. Now, turning it into the Thunder advantage, if he did demand out, which he's not going to do this year, he's probably not going to do next year. It'll probably be three years from now whenever he demands out. But even so, even three years from now, the Thunder are going to be one of the only teams in line to cash in on a guy like Luka demanding out. The Thunder have to worry about him staying long-term, but still... They could get a talent like Luka Doncic in three years whenever he's disgruntled and wants out. Because of how Sam Presti set up these assets, the Thunder can go get a guy like Luka, a guy like a Jason Tatum, a guy like any player in the NBA. The Thunder have the assets to get any player they want to. And these moments right here, these unpredictable, unforeseen situations are why the Thunder compiled the assets that they did. Who would have predicted a year ago that 22-year-old Luka Doncic, before his 200th game, would already put pressure on the Mavericks to build a better team or he's out of there, to fire and hire who he likes or he's out of there? Now, mind you, Luka's done this now to a team that accounted to him by getting KP. It just didn't work out. And a team that in doing so has really hindered themselves. Where can Dallas go? New York owns a lot of their first-round picks. They have cash space this year, but who's available? Is Kawhi going to leave and join Dallas? No. Would you sign a trade for Kyle Lowry? Maybe. How can Dallas turn this into a winner under the parameters and, and the restrictions that they're under with this current roster? 
and the construction of this roster. So it seems like an unattainable goal for this team. And the clock seems to be ticking on, on Luka Doncic and his time with Dallas. This can also all be washed over in a year or two. We don't know anything yet, but it goes to show the power that these players have and the players deserve. This is not an anti-player empowerment rant. It's about appreciating the pressure that Sam Presti's under and the organization's under. Because even when you hit on Luka Doncic, before his 200th game, he can say adios. Due to unforeseen circumstances, he's played one 82-game season. And even in that season, he played 72 games only. And yet, for a moment, it looked like it was all crumbling down on Monday. Now, I think that it was a lot of overhyped, overblown nonsense, uh, but there is a riff there or else a, a reputable place like The Athletic and like Tim Cato would not have even mentioned this. Tim Cato's very plugged in in Dallas. Like, he is very in tune with Dallas. And when you report something like this, just to let you on the inside, it's going to cause a disgruntlement between your connections within that team. If you're a guy like Tim Cato, and if you're a reporter like Tim Cato, we've already seen Mark Cuban call it BS and, and just blast it on Twitter. It's going to cause an uprise internally. So to put this out there and to put yourself in the line means this is very legitimate, number one, and it got to a point where it was no longer something that can be held on to indoors. And when you think about who gave up this information, why would Dallas do this? Why would Dallas feed this information to a reporter or leak this information? The only side that can be incentivized by this is the player's side. Who knows? It's a crazy situation. Again, I do not expect to trade for Luka Doncic anytime soon. Not for the Thunder, not for any team. I think that Luka's a maverick for at least two, three, four years. And then from there, we start to see the time tick and, and the pressure put on and the trade demands happen. Which is the exact timeline of every team and every team with a star in the NBA. But by the way, Luka's Mavs missed the playoffs one time in his NBA career so far. One time. His rookie year. Besides that year, he's been an all-star. He's been in the playoffs twice. He's just so happened to play the title favorite Clippers twice and had a chance to beat them both times. He's two for three on playoff appearances, and he's already putting the pressure on the Mavericks. Think about that when you're projecting long-term for Oklahoma City. Go listen to Locked On Mavs. Nick and Isaac do a great job of listening to that show every single day, and they'll have this covered. It's a wild story. It's the story of the NBA. You will not want to miss it. Locked On Mavs. Tune in tomorrow for Locked on Thunder where we do more of our draft profile series. Be good and be good to one another.